Welcome to season three of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, leadership and relationship coach by day, comedian and writer by night. I'm on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and the way the world lives in relationship to each other. It's time to start connecting our left and right brain to our loving hearts and begin listening to what they have to say. Brain will want to continue on the path previously traveled. It feels safe there. The heart barely has a path to follow sometimes, allowing passion and purpose to dictate the way. Get ready to disrupt business as usual in your brain and get ready to start following your heart. Listen, it's calling for you. My heart is always calling for me to dance in conversation, to feel the rhythm and vibrations, the ebbs and flows as we exchange energies, wit, and wisdom. My brain is interjecting really quick to invite you to check out ourprofessionalcoaching.com backslash podcasts for more episodes, to head over to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and, and write us a quick review, or find me on Instagram at ourprofessionalcoaching or at Outstanding Women Leaders. Today, we have four rules to guide our conversation, inspired by the Coactive Training Institute to create space for powerful connection and authenticity. Rule number one, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And rule number four, everything is included. So if the phone rings, somebody walks in, we do not edit here. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard. There is space for you. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. If you haven't, you don't want to miss them. But enough about me. Let's introduce today's guest, Sky Rummer, a fourth-year mechanical engineering major at UC Merced. She spends her time outside of school when she's not learning as a board member for the nonprofit Planet Rehab, overseeing all volunteers and conducting weekly meetings to delegate tasks and check up on progress. After graduation, she hopes to go to Panama, where Planet Rehab is relocated, and assist with the hands-on work they are doing, such as planting endangered almondro trees, I don't know if I said that right, and providing native farm survival kits to help the village of Panama live sustainable lives. Along with her nonprofit work, she has also been involved in numerous design challenges sponsored by NASA, as well as working as a part-time tutor for her school. Sky, I think you did way more than I did when I was in college. Um, I wasn't an athlete in college, but I, I don't remember doing all this volunteer work and um, leading the charge and actually helping support the volunteers as a volunteer yourself. So welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Well, thank you for having me. I am so impressed um, getting to talk to the upcoming um, I call you guys the next generation of outstanding women leaders. Um, how do you get into engineering and how do you get into volunteering at nonprofit and making this part of your plan? Well, I started in high school where I really liked engineering. I was on the science team in the science club and I was actually doing science competitions since I was in elementary school. So I kind of just kept going with it. And I liked the hands-on work of engineering, but I was also in a volunteer club called Key Wins or Key Club in high school with all my friends. So every weekend we chose to do volunteer work with our clubs instead of 
doing other things because we went to an all girls Catholic high school. So we all lived probably about 40 minutes from each other. So that was pretty much the only time we could all hang out was doing volunteer work. And then after that, I was looking for other ways to get my club involved in the community. And I was looking up different nonprofits and Planet Rehab came up when they were located in San Dimas, California, because my school was in Glendora, California. And I went there and the CEO is uh, Gary Mitchell and they had a whole animal sanctuary in their backyard. They were caring for over 350 animals and it was not what I was expecting when I showed up and I saw a house, I was like, this, I can't be at the right place. And I walked in and I just see this huge animal sanctuary with alpacas, tortoises just roaming around, chickens, uh, ducklings, goats. It was pretty crazy, but I just fell in love with the place and talking to him soon they became him and his partner carlo became like my second family and i volunteered there from uh, my senior year of high school up to now my senior year of college last year they moved to panama and i remember the goodbye was hard i drove down from merced just to say goodbye to them on a random weekend in october and they've been there for over a year now but it's been awesome. We still talk over Facebook and Zoom for meetings and just to catch up. And he always has the craziest stories now. The other day, he said he found a scorpion in his room. So I guess that's part of living <laughs> in the jungle now. But they've kept me involved and I'm really grateful for that. It's such an incredible story to hear that a key club is still around because I also was a key club member, um, but that the only thing available for you to do to become friends and hang out was to volunteer and give back. What an amazing world. I love that. <laughs> that was not always the case for, for kids growing up. So you, out of necessity of wanting to spend time with your friends, you gave back. I love to talk about the neuroscience of giving back and what it does to our brains, but you're just living proof of it. Um, I'm so like, you're, you're glowing and you're so happy to talk about this organization. And I can picture these animals roaming as you talk. Um, how has it been living in a pandemic for you going to college, helping with a nonprofit, saying goodbye to this nonprofit? What's that like? Um, it's been crazy because as you know, everything happened very suddenly. It was during my second semester of my junior year in March, they told us you won't be coming back to school. And um, I live with my friends off campus. So we were like, what do we do? I have a lease. <laughs> and so it was just crazy. And then everyone being on one Wi-Fi connection, I live with eight people. So and we're all on Zoom trying to do class, take finals. So it was very hectic. A lot of people getting kicked off the internet at random times. So it created some tension, but overall everything was good. And thankfully over the summer uh, where I interned the summer before, which is Glen Air Incorporated, it's a interconnective and engineering company. They took me back even in the pandemic and so I was able to work through the summer while taking three remote classes. So ultimately the pandemic helped me move my 
degree along so that I could graduate in four years because I have two minors as well. And so that's when I was also doing a lot of work with the nonprofit because everything was online. So it was just really accessible to me. So we remodeled our website over the summer. And that's when uh, Gary promoted me to a board member from a volunteer coordinator. And so a lot of things fell into place for me, but it was hard not being able to see anyone. And I had so much work that I was kind of isolated in my room and my parents were like, why don't you ever come out? <laughs> so it had good and bad moments, but ultimately now I've been in over a year of online school. So it's it's been weird, but I get to sleep more than I did before. <laughs> because I would just spend sometimes the night on campus in the library studying for finals. And just, if I had an 8 a.m., I would just stay there overnight. <laughs> so I definitely have gotten more sleep since the pandemic. That's so interesting to hear. I, I love hearing the positive things that have come out of the pandemic. Cause I know that we all are aware of the suffering that people are experiencing. So it's always good to see the nuggets you're able to take like, oh, I'm really busy, but also I'm sleeping more, which is amazing, by the way, that you could add, you know, extra classes onto your plate and still find that you're able to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So nonprofit board member, this is exciting for me to hear as someone that's worked with two nonprofit boards is, is you're the new generation. There's not a lot of board members out there that are your age. And when we talk about diversity on boards, age is part of that. And you have a totally different perspective on the world than in other generations. What, what are your thoughts as a board member? What do you bring to that table from your own experience? Well, I was brought up when I was 20 to be a board member and now I'm 21. And so, um, I think it's just a different dynamic. Um, our executives are in like older, but I think it's easier for myself. And then we have another board member and she's in her early twenties as well. And so we kind of understand that the newer generation isn't looking for long article posts. They wanna see a picture with words and know what's happening. And so not only looking at other nonprofits and what they post, but just from our own experience of what will I read in like my busy schedule? Because a lot of younger generations, they have to work jobs, go to school. Um, some take care of siblings and family and have a lot of responsibilities too. So they're not looking to read a whole dissertation on what's happening to the environment. So I think we kind of understand that and we take what they tell us and they always during meetings update us on what's happening in the environment, articles that we should read, and we kind of simplify it so that if I was reading this and I had no idea what was going on, I'd be like, this is a problem and I should donate to this. I know what's happening and now I'm more aware of it. So I think we kind of bring that. And then a lot of our volunteers do internships with us for school credit and just volunteer with us for, um, school hours. So we get a lot of college students, high schoolers, and sometimes new graduates. So I feel like we're able to connect with them, work around their schedules more, provide that flexibility that people are looking for. 
not only in their young age, but also in the pandemic. Yeah. And so you're this volunteer coordinator role. So you're really the the face of the organization for these volunteers as they come in and you're doing some project management for them. Um, I see that as leader training. I, I got an opportunity to do that when I was running the nonprofit as well. What's been your experience in training these volunteers? What are you seeing that is motivating people and, and what kind of work are you guys doing? Yeah, so right now we have five different teams. We have a grant writing team, business development and fundraising, um, social media. Um, we have a article writing team and public relations team. And so I get to work with people of all different backgrounds we have one professional at least in each team who they just take time out of their regular jobs to help us out and also help train either interns or just volunteers who don't have the same experience they do. So that's always my motivation is just seeing people who work 40 hour weeks, but also are like, let me give back and help people do what I do, but also to help the environment. And so that's really amazing. There's one girl who joined us over the summer. Her name is Jennifer and she helps with public relations and she's just been such a star. She's, I think in her thirties and she does our public relations and she just always, when she comes on, she's so energetic after her whole work week cause we meet on Fridays and she's like, I'm sorry if she's a little late like I just got back from work and then she just starts jumping into it she's like this is what we should do and we need to contact these people and then we have two interns who are in college and she's like she gives them templates she gives them amazing feedback on how to better their press releases and I'm just so thankful for people like that and also for the interns and volunteers who just kind of absorb that information and are grateful to have someone like that because it's really hard to find like a mentor or someone like that in a pandemic, someone who will meet with you regularly and just help you, especially in college, develop those skills that you're going to need in the workforce. Mm. Man, you're giving me chills as you talk about this. This is exactly what I loved about being the executive director of True Mentors. Um, we had 150 volunteers and it's exciting to, to see people who work 60 hour work weeks that come to an 8 PM meeting at night. Cause that's what it pre pandemic. That was what it was like in New York. We work until then. Um, and then we have to commute back across the Hudson and just to see them so dedicated uh, and even feeling like bad because they're de missing some deadlines uh, by like hours and you just know that they're working a full-time job and also supporting an organization. How cool. What a great perspective <laughs> that you get to have. And it's such an, a pleasure to talk to someone like you who understands the benefits of volunteering um, mm -hmm. and you're just living it. Like you understand the benefits because you're helping the environment, but you also just have all these really great benefits to your brain when you give back and volunteer and, and interact with others that are doing the same. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> what do you want our listeners to know about the work that Planet Rehab is doing and how can they support it? So Planet Rehab is a nonprofit. We're now based in Panama because our CEO just really felt a calling that he needs to do hands-on work because we were raising money for causes and giving back and 
providing homes for animals, but when you really look at how bad the environment has got, then he just went into a full kind of freak out mode and he was like, we need to do something that matters. And so they sold everything and they moved to a jungle in Panama, which is also a chocolate farm. So people can look up Green Acres Chocolate Farm where they do tours and they invite people to just experience what it's like and how amazing nature is and why we need to protect it. But they were also blessed with thousands of Almendro saplings, which are a keystone species in the rainforest. And they are actually home to thousands of organisms, including the great green macaw, which will only nest in an Almendro tree. So the correlation is there of as Almendro trees are cut down because they're used mainly for construction because they're termite proof. Also, the great green macaw population has plummeted and they're now an endangered species. So through their work of just being there for a year, of course, settling in, learning the ways of they have to upkeep a chocolate farm. So they learned how to make chocolate and then doing tours. They've also been able to plant over 400 almendra trees, not only at Green Acres, but they've made connections at neighboring islands. And so right now we have six forest guardians who take trees, care for them in their um, primitive states, and then allow them to thrive on their islands. So also being able to find people just after moving to a whole new country, I am just thankful for Gary and Carlo because they're amazing. And then this year they were like, um, there's villages near them the Nobi tribe, and they noticed that a lot of them have very high meat diets, and it leads to obesity, diabetes, and just not a very healthy lifestyle. And so they started an initiative where they were gonna give them plants, teach them how to cook delicious meals that also taste like meat. And so they could learn to be sustainable, learn to be healthier and improve their lives, especially with the children that they have so that they could live longer. And uh, over a long time, the island will also give back to them because Gary always says, if you stick a seed in the ground in Panama, it will grow because it's just so fertile. So they've been giving jackfruit trees, um, Katuk, which I guess is even better than kale and spinach. It has like three times the amount of protein in it and uh, cranberry hibiscus. And all of them have just amazing nutrients, things that you can't really find here, but they give it to them, no cost to them. It just comes from donations from people. And then they teach them, how do I use these trees and plants that you're giving me? They teach them how to make it. And then if they have any questions, they're always welcome to their home. And so I just think that they're doing amazing work over there. And any donations that people give is just amazing because it just allows them to do their work even better. Mm, and where can people go to make a donation to this organization and learn more about how to get involved? Yeah, you, they can go to our website at planetrehab.org or any of our social medias are connected with our donor box page. And so it's $20 to plant an almendra tree, you sponsor it and you give life to thousands of organisms. And then we have tiers for our native farm survival kits 
$35 gives a family the whole uh, kit of plants. Um, $40 gives them a kind of duo of how to make all this. And then $60 gives them monthly recipes of what else can I make with it? But they're always open to them. So even if they give $35, they'll still be able to ask them questions, get a cooking lesson and everything. So they're always just trying to give back as much as they can. It's amazing. Thank you for volunteering your time and supporting such an incredible organization. Yeah, it's, it's been my pleasure of just supporting them because they always support me. Mm, I want to know more about your personal story. You are, I mean, there's not, when I was growing up, I'm going to really date myself here. Like women weren't just like becoming engineers and going into the sciences. So it's exciting for me to see that is, and you go, I guess going to an all girls school, I suppose makes it a little easier in some ways, but you want to not just be an engineer. You want to work for NASA. So tell me about how you got into all that. Yeah. So as I said before, in elementary school, well, my parents always believed in putting me in a private school just because they didn't grow up like that. Um, and so they wanted the best for me and my older sister. And my mom is Catholic, so she just wanted us to be raised in the faith. And also they were working, both my parents are veteran Marines. And so they didn't always have the most time growing up. So my grandparents offered like to take us to elementary school, pick us up and wait for my parents to get off of work. And so the closest school was a Catholic school. And so they put us there and then they had different organizations to be a part of, to volunteer. And specifically they had a science team where we competed in the science Olympiad. And so I started in that from fourth grade to sixth grade and then um, we placed gold and silver the years that I competed. And so that kind of sparked my interest. And I always chose the hands-on projects because you could choose what you were going to compete in. And I remember we made a tennis ball catapult one year where you had to measure where it was going to go based on the number of rubber bands you had on it. And I was like, this is so interesting. I was like, I like building it. Like we had to build it use a drill, which I had never used as a fourth grader and kind of construct this. So it was really cool. And then in my seventh and eighth grade, I was in the academic decathlon. From there, I went to high school, uh, St. Lucie's Priory High School. And it was kind of an outdated high school, but they had, I feel like an all girls school was where I needed to be just because it was easier to focus. We had a uniform. I didn't have to worry about what I wore every day. I didn't have to worry about any distractions. I didn't wear makeup to school. I hardly did my hair. And so I would just go, I was there to study. I made friends who I'm still friends with to this day. And I just feel like that was a really good place to be as far as like my personal development, because I could focus on what do I want to do? And then just the friends that I made there are just so driven that they made me want to do more because one of my friends, she's on a full ride scholarship at John Hopkins. She does medical research, works at City of Hope. And I was like, these are the type of people I needed to surround myself with. So I feel like it was just a good choice on my parents' part to put me there. And it allowed me to develop my love for engineering. 
Unfortunately, when I was applying to schools, I didn't get into my top schools that I wanted to, even though I had, I was on the basketball team, I was volunteering every week, I had thousands of hours of community service. Um, but ultimately, I feel like it was God's plan that I was at UC Merced because I didn't get into any schools in California. And because my parents are veterans, I can go to any public school in California and not be burdened by tuition. So ultimately, UC Merced reached out to me and they said, you can come here if you want to. And so, of course, my parents were like, yes, you're going there. You won't have to take out any loans. Like, it's like you're going there. And when I first got here for orientation, I don't know if you know where Merced is, but it's basically in the middle of nowhere. The school is in the middle of nowhere. It's not close to anything around it. So you have to drive places. And as a freshman, you don't get to have a car. So I was just like, where am I? And then I don't know why, but I decided I was going to do all the placement tests when I went in my freshman year and just skip all the intro classes, which was a mistake because I was dying my freshman year. There were sophomores and juniors in my classes and I did not even know how to operate college yet. So it was just a real wake up call and just trying to make friends because I didn't go with anyone from my high school there and meet people of different backgrounds. But that's kind of what I liked about Merced was no one was the same. There's such a diversity here. People come from all over the place just because Merced accepted most people. And I think that's kind of what I liked about it. Plus it was small. So myself and not being able to wake up the earliest, I could just kind of walk to class really fast and still make it on time. So that was nice. And then there were smaller class sizes. So I was able to connect with my teachers more and develop that love for engineering even further. Whereas if I had 300 people in my class, my teacher wouldn't even have recognized me. Yeah, so. you're, you know, you're very wise to say God, God's plan um, because you're gonna have no debt, which is a wise, wise choice. I, um, I went to community college for two years, not because I couldn't get into a four-year school, but because that was the year I found out that we didn't have a, a scholarship fund for me. My parents were like, yeah, we don't have money. Um, <laughs> and so I went to school for free and, uh, and played tennis and got a little bit better and then got a pretty decent scholarship for my next uh, two years. But you will be very grateful while everybody else is feeling the pains of those student loans that you don't have them. Yeah, that was what they wanted for me. And just now in my senior year and about to go off into, I guess, real adult life. And mm -hmm. it, I'm like, I'm glad I don't have to worry about it. Okay, once I graduate, how long until I have to start making those payments? So, oh, what freedom. And so as a result, you want to graduate and spend some time in Panama yes. working for this nonprofit before NASA calls and brings you in. <laughs> What do you want to do in um, with NASA? We'll get back to the, the nonprofit in a second, but I want to know more about NASA. Yeah, so I've always been very fascinated with launch vehicles and just their sheer power. I've always, I was watched launches and two summers ago, my parents actually took me to Florida to see the Kennedy Space Center. 
And it just happened that night that we were there that SpaceX was launching part of their Starlink satellites. So we got to see it from our hotel room. And so that was so awesome. And just knowing I was there and it didn't launch until like 2 a.m. So my parents, they were telling us, oh, you could stay at Kennedy Space Center and watch it. But my parents are like, one in the morning. <laughs> so it was just awesome to be there and then see the whole facility and just knowing all the great people that have come out of Kennedy Space Center and just movies like Hidden Figures really inspired me just seeing those women in engineering. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to go up and just be the leader. And so that's what I hope to do is be a project manager for launch vehicles at NASA. And I love all the centers, but Kennedy Space Center would be my top choice or um, JPL because it's close to home. But I just want to have that hands-on experience. And if I could send something to space, that would be super cool. Just to say like, I worked on that and now it's in space. Um, very cool. I have no doubt that NASA will be finding you um, once you come back from Panama. What kind of work do you uh, want to do once you get to Panama after you graduate? So I hope to help them plant trees and visit all these forest guardians just because I'm so grateful for them. Because if we didn't have them, then we wouldn't have anywhere to place all these trees because we only have so much protected rainforest that we own in Panama. And so just them allowing us to plant on their ground and then also them taking time to care for them out of their own busy schedules. I just want to personally thank them. And also seeing Gary and Carlo again in person is nice. And they had a whole new litter of puppies. And so I want to see them as well. And just, they all, it's not the same. They show me on Zoom how beautiful their land is. They're right on the bay. Gary always goes swimming with the dolphins. And so that's something I want to experience and just walking through their protected rainforest and jungle and just seeing what they're seeing, giving back to the villages of Panama and just hopefully making an impact on the environment. Yeah. For people listening, if you don't know the history of Panama, the United States has had um, quite a, uh, a uh, history with them and carving out their land. So it's great to see that you are investing time there and wanting to give back. Hopefully you'll still want to come back from Panama and work at NASA <laughs> after you go. Um, before we wrap up today, I always have three questions that I ask all our guests. I'm so excited to ask you. Um, as I mean, your answers will change as you continue to go on your journey, but I can't wait to hear what is your superpower right now? Ooh, my superpower, I think, is time management because mm -hmm. without it, I would be lost. Just between school, the nonprofit, I just got the job as a part-time tutor and I'm finishing up a design challenge with NASA right now. And so, and I'm also studying for my FE license, which I'll be taking at the end of February. So it's about a six hour exam. So it's like studying for a bar exam. So if I didn't have time management, I would be lost in, in a pile of just papers and sadness. 
Yeah, that is a superpower a lot of people need. I feel like I had that superpower once. I lost it when I wasn't in school anymore. <laughs> and by that, I mean like teaching in school. That helped me. Mm-hmm. Time management's an incredible superpower to have at your age. Um, what is your purpose? I think that my purpose is to help people because just from all the nonprofit work I've done and just volunteering in general, um, even in elementary school, I volunteered at a nursing home and just having that one-on-one contact, whether it's with people or animals, making a difference in their lives. I feel like that's what I was supposed to do. And even if I was able to work with NASA, they do so much work in helping people because you can learn so much from space about earth and how to help mitigate all the environmental effects. And so that's what I feel like my purpose was is to ultimately help people and hopefully help the environment in the process. It's incredible to hear you talk about it. There's so many people right now at various stages of their life that have no idea what their purpose is. And you're not only clear what it is, but you're living it every day. And that brings joy and fulfillment. So you have the secret. I love this, <laughs> that you are the next generation of outstanding women leaders who's working on purpose, living on purpose, sharing your superpowers with us. My last question for you is what's next? So what's next is hopefully graduation in May and then um, I'll hopefully have my FE license, so I'll be able to practice engineering and work on my professional license so that I could be a director. Moving to Panama for a couple weeks um, and just giving back to the environment and then hopefully landing a job in an aerospace company and building my career from there. Mm, well, I hope that when you have that, you come back and you share in a few years, what all, what awesome things that you're doing at NASA. I look forward to, to following you and remind us again, planet rehab, we can find on Instagram. Um, and the website is planetrehab.org. Yes, it is planetrehab.org in order to, to donate. Um, last, I'm going to give you the last word. I'd love for you to share, um, survival tips you have for college students in the pandemic. What do you got? My number one is an agenda, yet an agenda, because that is like the Bible to me. I put everything from when I eat, when I sleep, when I take a break, times like to the minute of when I do things, because if not, I could spend hours either doing nonprofit work. So I'm like, oh, I'm so in the zone, but I also have assignment deadlines. So I feel like that's a very good way for time management. Um, Also incorporating breaks because I have experienced burnout and it's not fun. And that's something you definitely want to avoid. So giving yourself necessary breaks and taking care of yourself is the number one thing you should do in college. No matter what people say, go, 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 go. I did that my sophomore year and I crashed. And it was, I remember I think I stayed up for like two days studying for an exam and I ended up sleeping an entire day away and I just crashed. I didn't eat. I didn't do anything. And I just felt like I was dying on the inside. So that's definitely, I want people to avoid. And then just finding what you like. It doesn't matter if you have to change majors. 
I feel like your freshman year, you have all these GEs, take classes you're interested in because that might be what you want to pursue in your career. And so just taking that time to explore clubs, classes, your freshman year, I think is super important and what college was for. So wise. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for including me on your agenda. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate your time.